nothing happens because of one person. And I think if you remember that, you never lose sight of how you're treating people and you never lose sight of raising the bar and you never lose sight of the changing dynamics in the broader landscape. Welcome to Media Sales Confidential, where we get the inside information from some of the world's most respected and innovative leaders. I'm Matt Bartles, and we are here with part two of our conversation with Sarah Personet. I called it Leadership is Local. We talk about what's next on the horizon in the industry. We talk about imposter syndrome, a list of must-read books, and Sarah's Including You initiative, highlighting the power of inclusivity. Let's go. Sarah, welcome back. How are you? So how do you balance that then? So while you're figuring out your own belief system, how do you balance finding your own voice while also allowing influences to guide your path? And Mm. then how has that helped you guide other folks in your organization? The beautiful thing is that I have had, and really, truly, I've been blessed to have worked for and with exceptional people throughout the entirety of my career. I mean, the list is long and I started out by talking about Matt Torella, who is one, one, just an unbelievable example of that. And the entire team that I have at Twitter is an amazing example of that. But with that, I kind of pull from each individual that I've had the privilege of, of working with the thought that in any position we might need to lead differently has enabled me to, to be open to like, wow, that is really interesting. You know, Jackie Kelly, I, I will always put as one of the best leaders I've ever worked for. She is so authentic and evolved as a leader she is warm and kind, and she is also extremely direct. Mm-hmm. And like having watched that at a young age, you know, that you start to practice, like how, how does that look and feel on me? You know, is that my natural leadership style or do I need to evolve that in a different way? And I, I think if you're open to practicing leadership and management and functional expertise, in marketing and accounting and strategy and operations, like all of those things take practice in order to hone that skill so that you have the muscle memory to move fast in any type of problem solving experience or moment. And I feel like that's, that's been the last 20 years is trying to practice, but pulling from pulling from the different ways people communicate, you know, the way that people might, use humor yep. folks that uh, bring more humility to the table that might have more quieter tone versus those that might be more extroverted and, and more vocal yep. when it works, how it's helped me figure out what's naturally me. Yep. And I've shed probably some of the things that aren't, aren't naturally me over the course of time. Yeah. So it's back to the, be the master of your own education, but be an education of your career as well to own your own education. Yes, absolutely. And also say, I think, um, you know, representation certainly matters. And in my career, there have been many times where I am absolutely not the expert in the room. Um, Majority of the time, I'm not the expert in the room. Um, uh, There have been times where I am only woman in the room and we are 
actively evolving that and changing that. But with that, I think always striving to have a point of view and, you know, sharing out that perspective has mattered. And I share that for any underrepresented minority or woman that, that is listening, like you are in the role you're in and the company that you're in for a reason and make sure that even if you don't feel like you can find your voice and there have definitely been times where I felt like I can't find my voice, I would write it down on a piece of paper and then I would read it out loud just to like get over the obstacles or the barriers, you know, that internal imposter syndrome that sometimes can, that inner critic that can like dial up really high in your head. (laughs) How many people have internal imposter syndrome at this, at this level? A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And Adam Grant has this new book out, Think Again. And I love the way that he thinks, he actually talks about how imposter syndrome is a really good thing. It's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing because imposter syndrome is the balance between confidence and competence. And most people that have imposter syndrome have a higher level of competence, but a lower level of confidence, which is what makes, you know, enables us to strive to deliver and to perform for each other and, you know, for whomever their end stakeholders are. And I I was like, that is such an awesome way of looking at it. And when I, I think about having been fueled by, you know, now I celebrate failure, but a fear of failing others is actually, I think like a gift. And a part of it was because of imposter syndrome. That must be a big part of your leadership then is helping people get over that hurdle and realize they are competent. They just need the competence to actually act on that. Yes. I know that. And then also inclusive leadership is important to you. So you shared a lot at the Alexander Group's Women in Revenue Leadership Summit, which was phenomenal. How do you create a space for inclusion and empathy in your leadership team? And what does that look like? And how how do you promote that? It's a a wonderful question. So diversity and inclusion, obviously, extremely complex and important topics, I think, in the industry today. And when I think about diversity and diversity across age, gender, or sexual orientation, race, ethnicity in the U.S. and around the world, it's very complex. And we are actively, as Twitter, working to create a team that is more diverse um, and reflective of the world around us. And I know the industry is, and I think even you know more broadly, corporate America is trying to do that. But what often gets lost in the DNI is the I part, which is inclusion. Okay. And if you recruit and create extremely diverse teams that are not um, psychologically safe and don't enable every unique individual's voice to be heard, their perspective to thrive for dissonance to occur in the various perspectives to get to a breakthrough idea, mm-hmm. then all of the recruiting is lost because those folks won't stay in teams. And one of the things for me in terms of inclusive leadership and then trying to bring, almost trying to bring inclusion and the characteristics around inclusive leadership forward inspired me to start a weekly series with my team called Including You. And it essentially is 
every week over the holiday break, I wrote 52, including you, notes that I pulled from podcasts um, that talk you know, more deeply about this topic from Jennifer Brown, who's a, a leader in this space, who's done a ton of work on like how you, how you look at what stage of inclusivity and inclusive leadership you're in through to researching the characteristics or the character traits that, and strengths that go with being an inclusive leader. And through that, and sometimes I use the 52, sometimes I evolve it based on the context of the week and the moment that we're in, but I send it every Friday morning and it's our opportunity as a team to think about where I am as an inclusive leader, Mm -hmm. what skills I need to work on. I find what I, what is, it's like the highlight of my week is when I, when people write back to me on it, folks will use it for their team meetings to create a safe space to have a conversation about intersectionality and what intersectionality means Um, to talk about, you know, social injustice movements and in some of like the challenges there to talk about whether or not current leadership styles are reflective of inclusiveness, Um, encouraging people to reach out to someone they don't know and include them in a meeting to get their perspective that might shine a light on a way for us to do something different that is breakthrough for our business and breakthrough for our teams. And the commitment to consistently doing it each and every week is my way of connecting with people who are fully decentralized. They, you know, this team is in every market around the world. I don't get to walk the halls and talk with them. Even in a pre-COVID era, I wouldn't be able to walk the halls, um, you know, and and see all of our our teammates. So it's a, it's a, hopefully a universal experience that folks have. And, you know, and with that, it helps to define the course of what successful leadership looks like in our team today and into the future as well, so that we can really truly become um, not just a, a diverse and inclusive organization, but one that feels like it's providing equity to every individual that is a part of it. Yeah. It sounds like that must be a huge part of your uh, mantra around leadership is local. Yes. Leadership yes. is local. Can you tell us what, what does that mean? So it starts from the learning of common purpose leadership, which common purpose leadership shares that every single person in any part of an organization, regardless of reporting lines, regardless of hierarchy, they play a role in leading and modeling what we want our world to feel like, what we want our team to feel like. Um, something that I, I like to say is own the organization you want to be a part of. You can model that in your peer-to-peer inter- interactions, the way that you show up at a team, the way you show up with customers, cross-functional partners. I think when you run both decentralized teams and also as you run larger and larger teams, it's easy to um, move away from that individual who I always go to like the client partner or the account executive who sits in Germany, how connected do they feel to this team, to the work that we're creating, to the value system that we're trying to create. Twitter is such an amazingly purpose-led company and that individual should feel like they can contribute as a leader. And I think if if everyone owns that 
um, commitment to each other and to the company, then there's no way that we won't achieve service, you know, serving the public conversation and, you know, the, the ambition that we create for creating freedom in the world. And so that's sort of the, the background on, yeah. on it. I think when you're running a global team, you know, being present matters. It's important to meet people face-to-face and experience what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And also it's local in that it's about the individual Yep. And it's local in that it's about the context of the environment that they're in. And I think this newer generation of employees in any company, they expect more from us as leaders. Mm-hmm. And they expect that they are seen. Um, yeah. And I, by the way, I'm not perfect at this. I do not get this right all the time. But it's that I am striving to get it right. And I, I have a team of leaders that are striving to get it right. And that we have that commitment to, to our people. And they hopefully have that same commitment to us and helping us see what we don't see uh, yeah. if, I'm, if I can't get to a market. So you brought up earlier, you said some of your belief systems is around accountability and then also be kind to all. How do you balance that? Are they incongruent or are they congruent? Great question. I will... Absolutely say, I used to get asked this question a lot when I was 33 when I took on the UM position and lots of young people were like, oh, how did, how did you do that so quickly? And I said, I, I worked really hard and I was kind to all people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't equate kindness with success. And I would like people to equate kindness with success. Mm-hmm. But I, and this is in, um, I can't remember if this is Adam Grant or if this is the, the folks who wrote Own the Room. But one of those books talked about the difference between task conflict and relationship conflict. So the most high performing teams have high task conflict. They can debate, they can yeah. find power in the dissonance of different ideas. And that's, you know, when I talk about the power of the inclusivity for unlocking and unleashing diversity, yep. like that's, that's where task conflict, we need to be really comfortable in being direct and providing good and healthy feedback. And that is, you know, that's necessary in a high performing culture. Relationship conflict is when you are arguing about the ideas or the data, you're arguing between each other. There's like a personal conflict there. And that's where there are the lowest uh, performing teams. So what's consistent in this, I think in this scenario is that you need to build trust in your teams. Mm -hmm. Trust needs to be an extremely important characteristic of how your team works together. And when your team has a lot of high trust and is comfortable in a task conflict in disagreeing in a, a healthy way in order to get to a better outcome, you ultimately have greater accountability, higher performance, more direct conversations. And you can do that in a way that still is respectful Correct. and is kind and that is encouraging and that is caring. I've worked with people who operate from command and control you know, utilize really, you know, harsh language, belittle people in teams and, um, and also are really hierarchical. 
And that to me is not the future state of high performing teams. And it, yeah. it's, it's sort of, it puts blame on others instead of like owning the opportunity as a collective team. So yeah. I don't think kindness and accountability are in conflict, but I do think it requires a deep amount of trust and understanding and practice to ultimately get there. Yep. That's awesome. So then what is accountability in the Sarah Personet organization? Hmm. Well, the first one, this is true and consistent and always will be important is our ability to deliver our revenue goals. Right. And I, and I talk about that with the team that truly is our job and being able to serve right. the public conversation, serve the mission of our company. The um, second one, so that's, if you think about our OKRs, P0, our P0 OKR is um, delivering revenue. But my P1 OKR is actually building an inclusive environment for all to be seen and to be heard. Mm -hmm. And some of the measures around that are related to our pulse surveys, which are like our people satisfaction scores, the way that we are training leaders, training managers. The reason why I write that weekly note, uh, it's also the reason why we're launching like a Twitter customer women's unconference, like how we think about decentralized inspiration in today's yeah. world. Uh, we're kicking that off in a couple of weeks. All of these things are meant for people to feel heard and seen. I'm the executive sponsor of our Twitter Arab community. And that is the conflict in the Arab Israeli situation right now is one that I've really had very little background on. And I am constantly trying to learn from all communities on how we talk about that so that people inside of our company feel heard. And again, like they can be their whole selves. These are challenging issues that we didn't deal with 20 years ago, but the expectations again, for companies and the expectations for leaders, I think have changed and our employees expect that of us. Yeah. So is that the, when you think about the mandate for the new leaders, I mean, given everything that has has happened, what what do you think are the new mandates for leaders given everything that's uh, happened in the world in the last Mm -hmm. year and a half, two years? I do think empathy, leading with empathy is extremely important. Um, seeing you know, what I mean by that is uh, seeing our customers as people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have they've been going. Every, every person in the world has been going through a lot, so that is important. And seeing our people um, who we employ as as people is super important. Um, being able to support them. Uh, second thing, certainly inclusion. Um, talked at length about that. Again, I'll go to the third piece, accountability. Um, The accountability that we have to each other and to the company and to our shareholders, but also we're in this amazing time in in our industry where there was less accountability probably in in marketing way back in the day. And then with the rise in uh, digitization of all impressions and the rise of performance marketing. There was more accountability of every dollar spent than ever before. And then now we are in this world of really the cookie is crumbling, you know, post ATT, what it means to make sure that every dollar spent is actually driving 
an actual business outcome it is more complex than it's ever been and more important than it's ever been. So for us, championing good measurement is super important. And then also being a part of what good measurement looks like there you go. is an important question. And this is where, you know, you, you and I have chatted about this. This is where like VUCA really matters. You know, this concept that we are in a world that is highly volatile, that's uncertain, that's complex, and that's ambiguous. There is nothing more ambiguous than measurement and accountability in like a post-ATT world. But where there is a gap in leadership means that there is an opportunity to be able to create and Make drive more. and thrive. Yeah. And, and I think that's the optimistically looking at the opportunity to be accountable is, is important. What are you excited about that you don't know all the answers to, but you're excited to see how things unfold in the industry? Absolutely what I just shared there. Yeah. I think the future of measurement yep. is extremely exciting. Yep. I think we're all privileged to be sort of on the, the front lines of helping to be a part of that and see where it takes us. The second thing I do think, and I've been excited about this for a long time, but the digitization of every impression in the world is, is still in the process of occurring. And when we get to a place where as marketers, we can more methodically optimize our creative strategy through to the channels that we are marketing on in order to create conversation, join conversation. And I think like we're, the journey is probably about 70% done. And so the future of marketing, I think, is still should still be a hot topic. Mm -hmm. And it, I have the privilege of transforming our business marketing organization back at Facebook to be data-centric, digitized, and customer-oriented. That was hard to think through how you put in the right tools and systems, how you upskill your employees, how you get them to care about operating differently. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the digitization will still be a massive part of how we move forward. Third one probably would be this, and we've touched on it, but the ongoing pursuit of representation in the world and everything that we do and, you know, and, and culturally the impact of that, I think mm -hmm. is going to be front and center. And last part that I'm really excited about that I don't know the answer to is we, we went through this period of massive globalization and then it seemed like we were sort of retracting to localization with, with COVID and just getting a lot more local. And, but I think that the, like the next horizon will actually be regionalization. So how we think about the world based on regions, how supply chain evolves based on regionalization and the why behind that is we are still not out of a global pandemic. Right. And so we have to be able to expedite things faster based on, you know, where communities are and the ebb and flow of um, this particular virus. And so I think uh, regionalization will be an interesting part of business sure. moving forward. And I, I think with that, you know, it will get us closer though to hopefully being a connected world. Yeah. So from an industry perspective, things are going to continue to grow. Things are going to continue to be volatile. You're still going to use your VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, right? And as far yep. as leadership tactics, 
What are you doing to prepare the sales organization to get their fair share and more as you continue to navigate these uncharted waters? So there's so many different teams inside of the customer's organization. The first thing I will always say is, again, going back to like empathy um, is mm-hmm. starting with insights, okay. really making sure that we are providing clarity for whomever that end customer is, whether it's a developer, whether it's a small business, whether it's a, a large advertiser, I think enables us to be much more customer centric versus uh, Twitter led. Yep. The second thing is like the composition of our business is um, continuing to change. When I think about the next few years and, and our CFO Ned has talked about this in earnings, like the, We've just gotten started with really effectively servicing our SMB community, um, again, led by the incredible Joe Farner. And I think us being able to service small businesses at scale in a really easy, fluid, and quite frankly, fun way. So it doesn't feel... um, heavy and hard to grow your business on on the platform is going to be really important. So continuing to focus there. Performance has also been a huge part of our roadmap and will be a part of the changing composition of our business. So making sure our teams feel really supported from a training perspective on upskilling their capabilities around performance advertising and performance marketing. And then with that, very tactically, this transition that we we're talking about to in a post-ATT world, there's a, almost a data scientist aspect to how you think about customer-led conversations in performance. Just reading the different lines of data around performance that a customer might have, that an MMP might have, that um, we might have, and this is consistent with you know, digital publishers mm-hmm. around the world those data lines can, can be different. Those KPIs can be different. And um, I'm extremely impressed by how agile our teams have been in leaning into building that skill set, having that conversation with confidence with customers that are you know, like highly sophisticated. Yeah. And then for me, making sure that we're supporting the team at scale is really going to matter for this next evolution. Got it. Wonderful. And this has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Sarah. As always, we like to wrap up with a summary and you've hit a ton of great points as far as your leadership mantra throughout this with own your own education and be kind and accountability. How would you wrap up the Sarah Personette leadership mantra? best way, because this has been focused on my leadership style, I will just reinforce this, that that nothing happens because of one person. My success is so much attributed to the leaders that I've worked for, the teams that have supported me, the customers that I've been able to work with throughout my career. And I think if you collectively remember that, you never lose sight of how you're treating people and you never lose sight of raising the bar and you never lose sight of the changing dynamics in the broader landscape. I love, Matt, that you invited me to be on this podcast. You would have 1,700 people here with me that also could contribute to 
the history of, you know, me getting to, to this position. And, um, and so I'm extremely grateful to all of them. That's great. Love it. A uh, couple book recommendations for the listeners. Breaking Through Bias uh-huh. is amazing. The Platform Paradox, uh-huh. Positive Intelligence, um, any of the inclusive leadership books by Jennifer Brown. Uh-huh. I am currently reading and rereading Think Again by Adam Grant. A longtime companion piece for me is The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. That is a book that I read, I reread, I read again, uh, especially if I'm trying to find an opportunity to center. Yep. And uh, so that was a, that was a long a list. Lot. Yeah. Well, well, you said you read five to 10 books actively at the same time while you're doing your job and being a mom. That's pretty impressive, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today on Media Sales Confidential. As always, it was great to have you. And for those out there, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Never miss an episode and definitely share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And that is the Inside Scoop.